This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, spooky, scary skeletons. They've sent shivers down my spine. Kate Lamphere. Let's rattle. <laughs> and Kate Scotchless. How am I supposed to top that? Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to episode 301 of I Read Comic Books. You may have heard the brand new opening music. Very excited about it. Infinity Shred continues to be the best band in the universe. I love it. Uh, before we get into the episode, I want to say that I am completely floored uh we have only two slots of 12 left in our ten dollar commission an episode tier of patreon so if you want to commission an episode of i read comic books make sure you join on join that as soon as possible because i think they're going to be gone after this week i don't know we'll see um but anyways for those of you that have already signed up look for a message from me probably coming this week um i've got a little bit of time off because it's my birth week uh everyone should be nice to me this next week um but i'm also going to be sending out a message to everybody to get the ball rolling on some of those commissioned episodes so get hyped for that Everyone should be nice to Mike all the time. He is a precious, <laughs> precious cinnamon roll. No, no, no. Who's okay. hurting you, Mike? Let me it's at okay. him. <laughs> it's okay. I, uh, you know what? If people could just be nice to me for one week, that's that's all I care about. But it has to be everyone. It's all or nothing. If one person is mean, okay. this throws the whole thing off. So I'm just just throwing that out there. One other thing I will say, our Discord book club is back. It's coming back. It's We're starting it again on October 23rd. So look for that. If you're not on the Discord, make sure to join that. We're going to be reading Monstrous Volume 1. I'm very excited about that. I think it's something that we've read for our Goodreads book club at one point. I just don't think yes. I actually read it. So um, I'm reading it for the first time, finally. You heard uh, but I'm Mike's very excited confession to do that. here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for all with all the other book comics that I read. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to read that one. But speaking of that, let's talk about comic books. Let's get into things. I have this legally mandated pair of questions I need to ask you, which is how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate Scotchless. Comics have been so good. Okay, so I was the one who proposed our topic for today about witches because you know what I love in my comic books is witches. And then I had an excuse to get an enormous stack of comics from my library. Um, Michigan has an interlibrary loan system, so I got a bunch of them from Wildcat all at the same time. I had to like get a laundry basket and take it to like get everything because <laughs> like it was going to break my little canvas, uh, you know, grocery shopping bags that I usually use. Right, And right. so I had this mountain of witch comics uh, to be hanging out with me for the last couple of weeks. Fantastic. Cannot recommend enough. The one that I just finished was The Hidden Witch by Molly Ostertag. It's nice. the second in the uh, Witch Boy series. And honestly, I liked it better than the first one. I don't know if it's just like she's getting better as a writer and artist as she goes, which would make sense. Or if it's uh, just me, I just happen to like the plot of the second one better. But I gobbled this up in one sitting, and it is so perfect for the season, too. There's, It's, like, set in October. So in this one, Charlie, Aster's friend um, that goes to, like, normal school who's not a witch gets cursed, and they have to figure out who's doing it, what's going on. And I really don't want to say more than that because I'm afraid I'll spoil it for folks. Mm -hmm. um, but it involves new characters that I really liked and really appreciated the like story arcs and like growth and development that all the characters have in this. And uh, Aster is also helping his grandmother to try and save the old man, um, which whose name is escaping me. I always want to say me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, that is like a monster creature and he's trying to like bring him back to humanity and stuff. And it's like this big conflict because obviously he 
like hurt him really badly and why would he want to save him but of course he's the only one who can because that's how ya works of <laughs> so course of course it's of course so good uh and the next one in the series is the midwinter witch which like i'm like this is my december read we just have these all lined up seasonally appropriate i need her to then come out with like a saint patrick's day and easter uh-huh, uh-huh. we'll just read these for their like every year yeah equinoxes spring solstice or summer solstices like honestly th- this feels like a natural progression and continuation of this series I- i've got to Truly. imagine that's what she's got going well, in her head like the thing though is these are all happening sequentially one after another so it, it isn't even forced like it makes sense right right that this ha- is set in october and then the one following this as it linearly progresses in time as these characters continue on with their lives like it makes sense when it's happening towards christmas i'm like amazing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. genius 10 out of 10 recommend. Yeah, I've, I've heard this Witch Boy series is fantastic. Um, I think there's a couple of people on our Discord that have read them mm-hmm. and said that it was just incredible. I think this needs to be on my list. I, I should do exactly what you're doing and get them from the library because yeah. um, they look really nice. And like I know that Scholastic says they're like aimed at ages 8 to 12, but sometimes we just need a nice, easy book. And Here's I feel thing. like this uh, stuff totally works. Here's the thing. A good story is a good story. It doesn't matter if True. it's written age appropriate for a four-year-old or a 40-year-old a good story is a good story and so that's where i'm at with these but i will say the thing about ya and me in the pandemic is that things work out typically like bad (laughs) things can happen but they aren't doom and gloom and depressing it's not like jeff lemeyer coming in to rip out your shriveled heart like what (laughs) remains of your hope for humanity um sometimes uh, the world is terrible and you've been listening to a Science Friday piece all about how the planet is doomed and you just need a young person figuring out who they are and like really embracing uh, life as your story. And that's yeah, I've read so much middle grade fiction during the pandemic, like way more than I ever have, except when I was actually in middle school. <laughs> so <laughs> probably more than that, because I, I didn't read much then. I like my mom when I was in middle school gave me access to like her science fiction bookshelves of like Lord of the Rings uh, and Dune and stuff. And it was over from there. So, um, yeah. How about you guys? Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like I'm going to have to take this hidden witch book and I've got to, I've now I've just got to read all of them. Like no excuse. It's the perfect time of year. You gotta, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Kate uh, Lamphere? How, how have you been? How have comic books been? I've been great. I hit my 200 book reading goal in Goodreads recently. Whoa. Clap, 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 um, confetti cannons. I saw that <laughs> and was like, like, smash that like button. <laughs> I I have to thank manga for that. You know, I, I read mm. manga before bed and, you know, it doesn't put me to sleep. It keeps me up. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of YA witchy reads, I read the book called Witchy. Volume one, this is by Aria Slamet Rees. And in this world, the power of a person's magic is determined by the length of their hair. But like, if their hair is too long, they could be executed by the kingdom for being a threat? Question oh mark, question mark. I hate when what? that happens. I hate when that happens. <laughs> I love that, that idea so much. And, uh, and Nynaeve, the main character, tries to hide her very long hair length as much as she can. But of course, mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. she's aging. She's starting to basically graduate. What is their high school looking toward her future? And if she's going to have a career in magic, but she can't hide her hair forever. I mean, you know, so during volume one, I don't really want to get into what happens because sure. you find all of the information I just gave you. We find that out in the first couple of pages. And then the story just kind of blasts off from there. 
And it's okay. such a good journey. Like she actually does do take a physical journey, which I love in my books. And she makes new friends, including a talking raven. She learns about revolutionaries. She has this really nice, not perfect relationship with her mom, which is nice to read. And it's realistic mm -hmm. to be like a, a healthy relationship with that a teenage girl would have with her mother. And the reason that I am so into this book, other than all the, the things that I just said, <laughs> uh -huh. is because like the hair, the fashions, and even the text design in this book are fantastic and original. And the society is clan-based, which is pretty unique. And I don't know, there's just so much world building. And you've only touched on like a surface level of it. But you can tell that the creator has really thought like everything through all of your secondary characters, all of your settings. And it hit this volume one ends on a cliffhanger and multiple storylines. But I was doing some research and I'm like, this better be a volume one of like five. <laughs> mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. turns out this is a webcomic. So there's way oh. more online. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. I just borrowed the first volume on Comixology Unlimited. But now that I know that it's a webcomic, um, I know what I'm doing with my free time this next week. This sounds like the most insane comic book concept. I love it so much. Yeah, um, this is uh, Witchy Volume 1 again, and I, I found it actually in Hoopla. So if, you, okay, if you've okay. got Hoopla, that was a really nice way to just read this real quick. Downloaded it for my, my weekend trip and read it in like two settings. So. Hell yeah. That's, that sounds amazing. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely interested. But for me, this, this past week, uh, I read a bunch of stuff, particularly I've somehow gotten into a groove where on Wednesdays I'm actually reading all of my comics that came out that week. And I what feel, fuck? I know, I feel pretty <laughs> accomplished about it. I mean, I, I know I'm jinxing myself by saying that on the show, but I do feel really cool about it. Um, so one of the books that I read this week was Soul Plumber Number One. This is my, my pick from last week, uh, which is the it's the last podcast on the left guys wrote a comic book. It's Marcus Parks, Henry Zabrowski and Ben Kissel as writers with Tom McCrea on art. Um, honestly, I was surprised by how much I liked this book. I thought it was kind of going to be like, you know, these guys have never written comics as far as I know. And they're kind of just getting dumped into this thing. But I'm like, how the hell does DC publish these guys? Like I, this is, yeah. I'm, I'm running like a million questions in one. Like, how do you go from, big podcaster to writing comic books for a major like one of the two major publishers and something about this book clicked for me as i was reading it to say like this feels a lot like this feels a lot like a like a 90s book modernized in terms of like the way that it's written but there's like a grittiness to it that kind of reminds me like a, a preacher but it's not as ridiculously offensive unless you're a a unless you're a religious person who just who loves televangelized um, preachers uh but yeah honestly i'm i'm really surprised that dc published this because it just doesn't feel like anything else that's coming out from them and usually we say that in like a really good way but i'm saying that in a i don't i don't know why they published this i'm, I'm very very confused but nonetheless i really like it. it it doesn't feel like any other black label book um because it's not a superhero based book it's paranormal and the book focuses on like kind of pointing out the hypocrisy of some religious folks in the united states particularly in the south kind of the overzealous follower type character that becomes the focus of the book um, ends up with this, you know, demonic moment where he runs into demons and he's, you know, helping kill, kill bad guys and stuff. But uh, a lot of really bizarre characters. And I feel like I can feel the voices of the last podcast and the left guys in this book. But ultimately, I, I really, really liked it. And I'm, I look forward to it. And I just, 
I'm just so surprised that DC of all publishers published this. Like, I would expect this from Fantagraphics. I would expect this from Image. I would expect this from, uh, honestly, I would expect this from Vertigo if it was still around. But because Vertigo is not around anymore and Black Label is kind of like, this is DC, but um, everything, everybody says fuck. Like, I, I, I just don't feel like this book clicks, but it's coming out and it's being published. So I don't know why I'm complaining. It just, something feels weird about it. So I'm really excited to see where this book goes. And I don't know if you, if you're into paranormal, sarcastic type comics, I think you'd like this. But ultimately, I I don't know who to recommend this to. Um, but I really like it, and I think it's just my bias of liking the, that podcast. Yeah. So the other thing that I want to talk about is um, Die Number One Through Twenty. I sat down and read the whole series because it's finished. Um, this I is Kieran Gillen. That. Yeah. It, it, it. That's the thing. Kieran Gillen, Stephanie Hans. I mean, like. I just wanted to get this story finished. I wanted to read it to say that I've read it so that I can reflect on it and I can do a reread because I think that this book warrants a bigger reread where you sit down, you process the arcs, you read all of the back matter, you do all the things. I was focused on just getting through the book. Um, And I got to a point yesterday when I was wrapping it up where I was like, oh man, this is where I dropped off. And that I realized that I dropped off right at the point where the book kind of started to say the conclusion is coming whether you like it or not. (laughs) And I was really, I don't know, I I felt like the book was rushed, but in the same way that if you're playing a D&D game and you know the end is coming, the players and the GM, or any tabletop RPG game, really, where you know the end is there, you know who the big bad thing Mm -hmm. is, you know what the final arc of the story is going to be. So things can feel rushed if you're not in the moment playing, but from an outsider, or when you explain it to somebody, they're like, oh, you did all that in two sessions? You're like, yeah, it seems fast, but in the moment, it wasn't. So reading this story where like the last art kind of creeps up on you really, really fast, I, I felt a little bit off put by it. But upon reflection on it, I'm like, no, this totally works. I don't know. And again, I don't know if this book was rushed or if, if it like Gillen and Hans just wanted to end it or if, you know, Kieran Gillen had planned this from beginning to end. Ultimately, I really liked the way that the book ended. I was really impressed by the way uh, the core of the story that I kind of saw from upon my second read or like start of the first arc kind of saw where that story was going. Um, I liked the way that Gillen concluded it all. I liked the way that he explored the topic that I think all of us who play tabletop RPGs, we we say we want to do, and maybe we don't do enough, which is explore new things with the characters that we want to play and, you know, try out personalities or try out, you know, different things about who you are in a game in a safe space among friends before you actually either adopt that about yourself or you decide that it's not for you. And I realize there's probably a lot you could read into what I'm saying, but I'm intentionally not trying to give away a lot of the core details of the book. But nonetheless, like I, I just was, I was really impressed by the way that they signed off the book. Um, Hans and, and Gillen, just the way they, they just made it all work. And that being said, I will say, if you thought Stephanie Hans's art was good in the first couple of arcs of this, or the first few issues, you have no fucking clue what she's capable of. Because the last, probably, arc and a half of this book has some of the most beautiful comic book fantasy art I've ever seen. To the point where I don't know why the last few issues of this book weren't just 80 pages long of just massive double page spreads because there were a lot of like third page spreads where like you could see that if they wanted to they could have turned that into a full two page spread over and over and over and I'm glad that they didn't because you know the books would have cost more and all that but man I I 
just when I thought Hans's art couldn't get better, she impresses over and over and over and over in the last arc. Yeah, highly recommended. I don't know if you guys got that yet, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I really, really I, love like, it. This is one of the things, like, I already read volume one, but I haven't read volume two. So now that it's, like, out and finished, I need to reread volume one and then read mm-hmm. volume two all, like, back to back. This needs to Binge be an it. afternoon. Yeah. Hi- yeah, highly recommended. It's a great bingeable book. And, um... Yeah, I can't wait to play the die RPG when it officially comes out. And like, I don't know, I'm trying to scrounge up an idea of like, what can we do as the as I read comic books to do that? Because I think that would be really oh, that'd fun. Be fun but, yeah. Um, nonetheless, it was amazing. And I highly recommend it. So yeah, had a good time reading that. Let's let's move on. though. let's talk about comic books that are coming out very soon and comic books that we plan to read very soon. I got to ask this new question. What's on the top of your pile? Let's start with you, Kate Scotchless. Top of my pile is not a new book, but it's a new to me book in that this is the time of year, October 1st, I rewatch Over the Garden Wall. There are those out there, and they are wrong, that say that Over the Garden Wall is a November show, that you rewatch November 1st, and that's incorrect. Mm. So I have started my Over the Garden Wall rewatch, which reminds me that, oh, that's right, there is comics for this show. There's actually a lot of comics for like many, many volumes, and I haven't read none of them. Uh, maybe they're terrible. Media tie-in comics often are. But Over the Garden Wall Volume 1 uh, is available on Hoopla for free. And I checked it out because I, I just need more of this in my life. And the thing with this show, though, I will say, even more so than other media tie-in comics, is so much of what makes Over the Garden Wall, this the TV miniseries, incredible is the art. And it is not the same artists that do the, the book. And so I'm mm-hmm. not sure how well it will translate. Uh, but we'll find out. So the uh, volume one is four comics that are done by two different creator sets. So the first one is Jim Campbell, who is the writer and artist on an arc following Greg, um, the younger brother, and Jason Funderburger, uh, his frog, as they <laughs> traverse the unknown and quote unquote find new friends along the way, right? That and last name, that last name is I messing love with it my brain. so much. Uh, <laughs> and at the same time, the woodsman's daughter, Anna, is also wandering in the unknown um, after her father is tricked by the beast. So then the next uh, story in this is by Amalia Lavari, the uh, writing, and Kara McGee uh, on art, where Anna then learns to survive on her own as she starts um, her journey to save her father before his fate is sealed in the steel with the beast. So mm-hmm. I like that it's not like two totally isolated stories that it sounds like one is leading well into the other, but I'll report back. I, I really don't have any idea how good or bad these comics are, um, but I have hopes and mostly just a deep, deep love for this TV series. How gotcha. about you guys? Yeah, yeah I, I, I've heard very, very good things about that TV show. So I'm, I, I hope me, have that you the not seen it. Good. I have not seen it. No, Michael. Uh, listen, hey, oh I only God, have so much time so in my good. life. Okay, but it's mostly hear me comics. Out. Okay, hear me out. It's 10, 11 minute long episodes. It's all great right. for taking a coffee break. It's great for all sitting right. and watching all in one go because it's less than two <laughs> hours. Um, it is the perfect, and I mean the perfect October show. It is all of the vibes that you want. So okay. please check this out. It is on Hulu, so you can access it there. It is also on HBO Max if you have uh, that. 
I was going to say, if it's a Cartoon Network show, it's probably there. All right. All right. You sold me. You've got Thank me. You. I'm, I, I will, will be checking this. back on this. <laughs> I, I know you. You know what? And, and I Didn't want you to. someone just say really he has an entire week off? I, I think I heard someone say that. Okay. Listen, all right. <laughs> you don't get to tell me what to do with my birth week, okay? Um, <laughs> Kate, Kate Lanfear, <laughs> what are you excited for? What's on the top of your pile? Uh, this is a, a volume called Spectre Inspectors, and it's the collected edition of... <laughs> what? <I> think... <laughs> what the... Hold on, you made this up. Go ahead, sorry. Um, this is the collected volume of what I think is a five-issue series from Boom Studios. The mm-hmm. writer is Bowen McCurdy, and the artist is Caitlin Musto. Musto. And this is about a team of young ghost hunters who are internet famous, and they set out to explore America's most haunted towns and to prove ghosts are real, specifically real. It does not say if they are real in the description. <laughs> and I trust Boom. The art is very cute. And this this is seasonal, you know, as Kate likes to read seasonal reads. I also mm-hmm. like a seasonal read. So this is just perfect. I'm going to have to pick this one up. <laughs> Sorry, the title for some reason really tickles me, um, but it looks really cool. It looks it looks like what I would expect a boom book to look like, but it say, feels like Spectre Inspectors too. If you're like, who would publish something about that title? I'm like, this is either this is either manga or it's Boom Studios. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it. it feels like it feels a lot like uh, Gravity Falls for some reason. Oh yeah, I can even see though it. I know that's maybe not true, but like I that's the look of it that I'm getting. But that looks cool. Looks very cool. You guys are you guys are on it. I don't understand it. Like I am totally not the type of person that like reads seasonal books. I'm like I've got a list of comics I need to go through and I just read things and if it happens to line up with the time of the year that's great, but I don't usually like seek that stuff out. Um I only do for like fall in a little around the holidays, but mostly oh, just sure. fall. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like this time of year a lot, but like I don't know. I never try to cater my reads around that kind of stuff. Anyways, totally I guess totally off topic. I I Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more after after the break and when we get into the focus of the episode this week. But I do want to say we had some folks hanging out with us on Discord who are wonderful human beings and we can't thank them enough. So the folks that uh, I asked them what the, what's on the top of their pile and uh, Hugh said that they're excited for May's book number two. Hannah said they're excited or they're reading uh, Wonder Woman Black and Gold. Danny said Batman the Imposter because Batman, of course. And Nick said a couple of books and I'm not going to let them get away with that. So <laughs> I'm picking one. He said Unbelievable Unteens. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. But uh, regardless, <laughs> my my pick for this week, or I guess the, the book that's on the top of my pile is Night Hunters, uh, the collected edition. This is by Dave Baker and Alexis Zirit. Uh, Dave's been on the show a handful of times. I think Dave was on the show to promote Night Hunters when it was a Kickstarter campaign that's been published um, and now it's being collected. Um, and I'm really, really excited to get my hands on this book. If you've never seen Alexis Zurich's art, I highly recommend you check out anything that he's done. It is unbelievable the work that this guy is able to do with just the color black, um, let alone the, the color work that he does that is very neon and orange and yellow and green and purple and pink. It's it's really impressive and it's a style that I really, really enjoy. It's very cyberpunky, very leaning into like just the insanity of I don't know. I want to say like 80s and 90s neon work. I don't know how else to describe it. But Night Hunters is a story that's like a cyberpunk future that takes place in Venezuela, if I'm not mistaken, where kind of the world is falling apart and it follows some characters who live in that world. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. I'm, these two creators are fantastic. I'm just going to pick this book up because I love them. But at the same time, this, the story sounds fantastic. And so if you can, make sure to go check out Night Hunters because it looks absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, I think uh, from here, we're going to take a quick break. 
And uh, before we get into that, I should say during the break, you're going to hear an interview that I, I did with uh, Philip Myra for his Kickstarter Crackle Volume 3, which is live on Kickstarter right now. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's got a super deal going on where you can pick up the first two volumes of his anthology series that he did, Crackle. I have to say, before we get into that, this is probably some of the most impressive work I've ever seen from a Kickstarter, and I've backed a ton of stuff. Um, Phil did a great job, and his his collaborators, numerous collaborators that he's had... Um, are stupendous and if you want to ever read something that is written by somebody who knows how to write a single page story or a two-page story crackle is a perfect example i highly recommend it i mean you're gonna hear me scream and yell about that a little bit in our chat but nonetheless phil myra um and after the interview we'll be back for the regular episode so we'll be back in just a second Today on I Read Comic Books, I am talking to the one and only Philip Myra, creator of the Crackle Anthology Series. Volume 3 of Crackle is on Kickstarter Live right now. You can check it out in the link. There's a link in the show notes, so make sure you go do that. Phil, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, man. I, you know, I guess to get things started, uh, for the folks at home that maybe don't know you, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into comics? Uh, yeah, we'll just go right into the origin story, I suppose. Please. Uh, so, <laughs> classic comic book fashion. So, uh, yes, my name is Philip Myra. Uh, I got into comic books at a relatively older part of my life. Uh, I didn't grow up with comic books, really. I mean, like anyone uh, from that was like a 90s baby, I watched the, the cartoons, the X-Men cartoons, the Spider-Man cartoons, was in love with the terrible CGI Spawn movie, but that was that was pretty much the limitation of it. It was just you know kind of like the generation nowadays is it's more front facing from the media than it is the actual source material. Sure. But the thing is like I I don't know if we really had comic book stores around us. I got into comics I would say like mid high school or so. That's when like Sin City started coming out, mm-hmm. and a buddy of mine had. Uh, I think he had the yellow bastard. He had one of the sin city books. And so I read it and I was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is interesting. I, I mean, I knew, I knew that it was very different from the, you know, the X-Men that I, that I had growing up, but it was, it was more, you know, the visuals and the arts and the storytelling, but I just kind of threw that in the back of my mind. But it was, it was years later. It was about like four years, four, five, six years later uh, when I was my senior, when I was going into my senior year of college and I saw the same guy again, just so happenstance. And I went back to his place and it, and you know, I'm, I'm nosy. So mm-hmm. he had, he had the walking dead, uh, the first trade just like sitting in his living room. And so I picked it up and started flipping through it. And like most probably people will listen to this, you know, once you see a book or especially a comic book, you you zone out right you're just there and <laughs> you forget there's other people around you that music's blaring right behind your head and uh and yeah so i, I was reading that and, until they told us that we had to go i forget i think we had like a concert or something like that something that was far less important than the comic book obviously <laughs> yeah how dare they um but but yeah and then i was like all right well maybe i should start getting in this comics thing again and this for reference this would have been 
I think it would have been the summer of 20. Yeah, it's on summer 2010. So like the Walking Dead TV show was announced, but it was it hasn't premiered yet. I was going to premiere that October. Okay. Um. So I was like, all right, well, I'm like maybe I should get into comics again. And at the time, I was my my college job was working at the library. So worked at the library. I've been I was there for I've almost four years at that point, and you know I knew the librarians. So I had all these resources next to me, and like all these all these um my my fellow know workers and so i did the you know the next logical thing is i totally ignored them and i went to google.com <laughs> and i l- looked up like the 10 best uh graphic novels uh-huh, um, uh-huh. so i totally ignored all the resources around me but you know in college we had a great interlibrary loan system so whatever i was able to find online i was able to get i was able to get it delivered to the library or I, it was right there and i would just read on my shift right right but when i started diving into it it was the Vertigos. Mm. Um, I didn't. I didn't backtrack to any of the Marvel DCs. I was more interested in the finite, complete stories because that's what I was. I've always been an avid reader, so I was going into, you know, like I like like I said, the suggestions were like, well, a hundred bullets kind of just ended around then. Uh, Why the last man ended? Uh, I was going through Sandman's naturally, and then I was just picking. I was just following writers. I'm like, all right. Like this Grant Morrison person seems really interesting. So I started following their work a lot. You know, I started reading more Neil. Um, obviously, that leads to Alan Moore and all the rest of the UK, um, the UK boom that was happening that right. happened about 15 years before that. And then just spirals from there. And then you just, you know, I'd, since I had access to a library, and I should say this is jumping around a bit, but then when I graduated, went to my local library and I just was, and I was lucky enough, I'm from the Chicagoland area and we have a phenomenal interlibrary system, even just between the libraries around the region. And so you can get most, most of what you want. They even have Kickstarter books. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember getting, it's not Jason Brubaker. It's yeah. Jason Brubaker. I was trying to, I was getting him and Ed Brubaker mixed up and they're completely different. But like uh, Jason Brubaker's like Sithra series, you can get that through the Chicago Interlibrary Loan System. Nice. I was like, all right, well, I don't want to go the superhero route because that doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. Like what else is out there? And so then I then I started following publishers. I started looking at Fantagraphics. I started looking at Top Co- or Top Shelf. Mm-hmm. And I just keep spiraling from there. Not spiraling, but it is. You're just like you're addicting and you just keep, oh, yeah. you keep going you keep just looking at whatever's on the shelves and you get, it gets to a certain point where you're like, all right, I've been, I'm reading all this stuff. I'm reading just purely Indies. Like I'm going like in Chicago, a lot of the indie people know cakes, a huge thing, the Chicago alternative comics expo. And I would go to that. I would go to that every year and I go to C2E2, which is the other, which is the more, you know, I guess commercialized version of the comic scene. I'd always have a better experience at cake as much as I go to C2E2 and just hang out in the artist alley and, <laughs> you know, get the comics purely from the creators and get all, all the indie comics. It was cake that had the more storytelling and, and the visual art styles that more appealed to me. It's, it's hard to describe, but you, you get this feeling that like, maybe I want to try this out. Like mm-hmm. I, I was attested to like, if you, if you're obsessed with, if you're obsessed with baseball and you do fantasy baseball with your friends 
and you're just constantly watching it, you're going to get to the point where you're like, all right, well, I'm going to see if there's like a summer league of softball around my area or like try to get some of my friends to do a softball league with me. And it, it's one of those, it's the same ideologies. If you just kind of, there's a reason why you enjoy something and you kind of want to participate and actually learn more about the inner workings of that, of that hobby of yours. And you want to just, you know, you want to be more connected to it. And usually the best way to be connected to something that you're interested in is by physically doing it. Right. Whether it be, like I said, playing softball or learning a new like musical instrument or, or some type of carpentry or woodworking or just anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So at that point, I was like, yeah, it'd be interesting if I tried if I tried writing a short story comic. This would have been about four years from from today or around this time. So I ended up writing. I ended up trying to take a, a loose idea that I had about a young mother who goes back to her parents' house for Christmas and she doesn't know where her husband is. I took that concept and I just, you know, at first I was formulaic about it. I was like, all right, well, I'll do it three page. It'll be three page story, page one, beginning, page two, the, the middle, mm-hmm. and then page three, the end. Like it's, and I was just like, so I, I did that, but I ended up building into a five page script because things naturally grow and I shouldn't think of it as a math problem. It's, it's, you know, it's storytelling. Right. So I, I built or I wrote the script and it took me a while. It took me like two and a half months to do. After that, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try to write another script just to see if I can if I can do that. And the great thing is, I mean, even at this point, there is there's professional resource or there's resources to get professional scripts. I think Comics Experience has as a repository of professional scripts of of stories that I had on my shelf that I can just reference. I remember right. there's Michael, Michael Carey had one of his scripts from, from Lucifer. And I love, I love Michael Carey. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just do a one-on-one comparison, like, all right, what actually made it to the page and just the actual, the dialogue between artists. I mean, for that, for that project and a lot of the other projects, you know, the, the, the art, the art already locked in, but it's just that to see the communication that goes back and forth and what needs to be added and just thinking of like the colorists and thinking of the letter. It, it was just very eye opening to see the scope mm-hmm. of what a script should be and how to communicate with. Um, so, so that was extremely helpful. And then from there, like I was mentioning, I, I tried writing another script and that took me roughly the same amount of time, two and a half, two and a half months. Mm-hmm. And this was just side hobbies, things I would would do whenever it struck my mind. It wasn't anything I was actively pursuing. Sure. Uh, but after the two scripts, I was like, "All right, well, you know, th- that's this is step one. Right. Uh, step two is actually communicating and finding artists." From there, uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, this was, like I said, this was roughly four years ago. So uh, around. Uh, around the time I had the two completed scripts, I was looking at different uh, forums. I was looking at the comic book collab subreddit. Uh, I was looking at a couple forums I can't even remember off the top of my head that were basically just job posting sites for for comic art for right. comic artists uh, for paid gigs. 
uh, I got lucky, like I said, because it was Inktober was right around the time when I finished my second script. Oh, gotcha. So, so when I started, I was like, all right, well, I have there's all these phenomenal, beyond talented artists. They're posting like simple sketches, but you can tell the storytelling's there. Um, and it's coming from all across the world instantaneously. Like I just refresh Instagram or Twitter and I set the search to latest and there's just new, there's constantly new art. I eventually got smart enough to figure that I can put keywords in there like comic or, or comic artist mm-hmm. that are in their bio so I can narrow it down so I can see these, if I like someone's like simple illustration that they did for the day, I can then go look at their profile and look at their portfolio and actually see if they have comic work and if that's something that they're interested in. That's kind of what happened. So I I saw someone's work that I liked um, and I messaged her and I said, I have, I have two scripts and I think you'd be great for one of them. Uh, This is the first time I've ever done like a comic (laughs) before. She's like, I haven't done a comic in a couple of years, but let's go for it. So Hannah, Hannah Wenzel and I, she's from, she's a German artist and yeah, we, we kind of learned together. She, like I said, she had more experience and she's done other client work, but, um, it was just an experience of just constant, constant communication and just me saying like, I trust you. I trust your vision. Like I may be new at this, but I also know that the best way, the best the the best way that this story will hit its to be like peak perfection and give the best experience for the reader is if we both communicate and work together like a true collaboration. Right, right. It's not and I was I was very, very cognizant of it very early on of even writing my initial scripts was that like and I still feel this way very, very strong. And I try to talk about it as much as I can to to starting up um writers is that like the script the script is not the end all be all the script should be just be step one i would say the, the script is a blueprint we use this we use this and that's this is something we can discuss of what works what doesn't work i don't i don't have this hubris or this ego like if i need to change if you if you think that the dialogue is too much or scene doesn't work or of any little thing, like then we'll change the script and we'll change the storytelling. All mm-hmm. that really matters is when it's everything's complete and done, that that the the person reading it, their jaws on the ground because they're they're in love with the story so much and the characters and the visuals and they're hooked. Right. And then they get angry at the end because everything's a short story. And then, <laughs> so you're basically describing my experience reading through volumes one and two of this series, which I, I appreciate you sending over for me to check out. Um, <laughs> because holy, sp- like every single one of the stories, I, I think um, it's a testament to the work that you've done so far um, in collaborating with these various creators. I guess like to tell the folks at home a little bit about this this series uh crackle like it's you with a bunch of different artists uh and and letterers and colorists and stuff putting various short stories together um and i i found every single like each of the volumes um extremely profound and extremely unique i mean i i don't mean to like just sit here and throw compliments at you the entire time here but like i i could tell that the passion was there in every single story like 
I can't tell you the number of anthologies that I've read where some of the stories just fall flat. Like of a book of 12 stories, like maybe eight of them work. Um, I think for the stories that you've you've compiled inside of the Crackle books, like every single one of them work um, in their own different way. And it's really interesting if, if only because hearing you talk about your creative process here um, really sets the context for like, oh, that's how you make this work. It's not a matter of I'm the writer, you're the artist, and like drawing this big line. You're treating it as collaboration. I, I think that's fantastic to hear. I think you know maybe a lot of people out there listening understand that that's how it should be or whatever. But to to hear you talk about it, it's it's really fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just for more like tips for like young artists. Uh, I mean, young as far as like in their creative career. It's I always say like even like how to describe this so my creative process might be a little bit different is that i i write the script first and then i initially either contact one of the artists that i previously previously have collaborated with um that i think would be visually best and and their storytelling abilities would work perfect for it or i've been super super fortunate where i've just done twitter posts and i'm like you know, it's paid. This is a paid gig. Um, here's the here's the deadline. Usually, I'm I'm very for the crackle books. I, I prepare ahead of time, so it's usually a very long deadline of like, hey, this needs to be done in five months. It's only nine pages. It's nothing crazy. <laughs> um, but like paid gig. That's amazing. Here's, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just I'm trying to give as much leeway. I know people's time is very is you know it's very important. Yeah. Um, but also, like I said, just plan ahead in case there's another commission work or project that is more demanding, that has a tighter deadline or the client, uh, the client is less forgiving. But yeah, I was, I just, I post the last four, no, the last three stories that I've done have been that, and I've had a link to the script. So the, the, any artists that would be interested can actually see the full story mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just been, it's just been beautiful. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like I've, I've seen artists portfolios and they're all people from all over the world. And so, like I said, just give them pure creative freedom and we just, we just make things as, as enjoyable for the reader as it is for us to be as creators. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump back, but as, as far as advice for, for, uh, writers is I always tell my artists that I collaborate with is like, you know, experiment, break things, like combine things. If you p- think panels can be combined, if you think panels need to be split up, like whatever the storytelling is, is best. Like if you can, uh, I mean, we're, this is the part where we get to talk about comic panels and pages, but we have nothing to show for them because this is radio. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> Listener, just visualize this, please. <laughs> So Crackle Volume 2 had, if you can remember, they had the story Clenching Fog mm-hmm. that M. M. Dean, who is one of my favorite artists, and I can't believe I worked with her. So M. Dean did this, did a couple experimental panels or experimental whole pages. Like the first page, there's a portion of the of the opening page that's a flashback. And so it's it's like a two by two grid almost. So it's like uh, so it's four panels. And each of those panels are a flashback, but then there's text that loops around. Like it's, it's, it's weird. It's like this, this flashback with, within like a visual flashback. 
and then a narrative flashback and like the words circle is circling around. So you, if you want, you can like physically turn the book or or iPad. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that's just a portion of the opening page. And then you go right into the story and it's just like things like that. You know, you, you only get that when you try to, when you try to like, all right, well, what's a cool way we can do this and engage the reader more. And that's either to make them physically, you know, turn the book so they can read or just for them to like, like I said, there's a flashback almost like contextualized in two different in the narrative and visual form, mm-hmm. so that readers engage because they're they're using you know they're using a brain a little bit more because it's an unconventional type of way, especially in the comic medium. Yeah, but yeah, it's like it's like that. You you only get that when you're just when you're like, all right, let's try something different. It's just just. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that 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 story in particular. I I learned to read upside down because rotating my iPad was was being annoying. But um, I mean still <laughs> it, that it's a I, that that kind of brings me to one of the questions I was thinking about, which is you know you've you've gotten throughout both of the volumes, and I you know I was fortunate enough to see a preview of volume three. Um, you you've got creators and artists of all different kinds i mean how do you how do you wrangle all of these people to to make this book happen i you know you kind of said it before of just planning ahead and making sure that you've got like a really long schedule to make it happen but um i mean jumping from style to style to style how do you pick uh, which creator which artist you're going to collaborate with for the stories that you've written i mean yeah like i said i i've been as you mentioned, it's the um, giving allotting enough time. So, if it is an artist that I really, if I see their portfolio and I think they match well, I I plan far ahead in case that person cannot begin working on the project for another two months or so because of of previous commitments. Right. Um, so there's the there's that which so that means I always I you yeah it sounds it's not now this makes me sound like a jerk but yeah i I get the artists that i want every time because i usually i mean i if i think someone's perfect for a story i usually um i usually get them because like i I give enough time and Mm -hmm. i've and i have a script so they're not they're not waiting for it um but yeah it's i I don't know it's just a very fortunate like i said it's a couple it's like a you can always just say it's like the domino and snowball thing where I, I started, you know, I started collaborating with with artists and and that in turn, like then that those artists share the work as well as I share the work whenever it's done or there's works in progress like whips and everyone, sh- you know, shows whatever they show their, their progress of the story. And then that points me to other artists uh, I went, I went in, I was looking at Han, Hannah and I were working on our second project together on the suggestion bar. I said like, are, you know, people you might like, and my social media is only artists. I don't follow musicians or celebrities or anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm just art suggestions. <laughs> right. And fantastic. Artists. So I was looking at Hannah's profile. It was one of someone that followed that they mutually follow each other. It was an artist named Zorica Gaeta. I was She's a Greek uh, last name. I can never pronounce her correctly. But uh, so it was Zorica. I'm like, huh. And like, I just finished the script two days ago. And I'm looking for an artist. And her work is is perfect. And so I contact Zorica. And, you know, it's a, like I said, it's a cold email. It's like, hey, I found, hello. well, not hey, but hello. I found <laughs> your 
profile um, and portfolio through through Hannah. Like, here's the script. Please, this is another thing for for newer writers. Um, whenever cold emailing, just there's certain things that you need to put in the emails. Just like usually, I always put how I found that artist, so that artist knows how they're being seen. Which is, you know, they you put so much art and put so much work out there, you don't know who's viewing it or how they're experiencing it. Yeah. So I message usually how I got found their art initially. I always ask at that point, it's like, here's the script. Let me know what you think about it. What is your page rates? Cause you have, you always pay your artists. There's, I, I say this all the time, like pay your artists. Don't, don't give them any of that BS. We'll give you a, a large portion of the back end because the back end is not going to be anything. We're in indie comics, right? The people need to eat. You need to pay your artists. And then uh, obviously what's your availability and your schedule. And then the rest of the emails, usually a whole bunch of comments of why I like their art so much. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, to me, that's just the basics of how to communicate. And I mean, there, there really isn't a rhyme or reason. It's just keep following the, the artists that you like. They're going to share the artists that they enjoy and look at the projects that they've, that, that the artists that you enjoy in indie comics, you know, see what either anthologies they've been part of or, or similar enough, which podcasts that they've been a part of. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just one of those things. I mean, there is no formula. You just have to just be the best collaborators you can and just put ego aside and just think, all right, well, what's going to excite the reader, but also, you know, what, what kind of makes sense. You just don't want, you know, I kind of talked about this earlier about, um, you know, kind of keeping the reader more engaged as a writer, like, all right, how do I keep the reader engaged? All right, let's just add like, I don't know, like 10 more text boxes. Let's just throw up. That's just so much dialogue. That'll keep the person on the page and engaged. And it doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. it zones you out as the writer. I mean, you, you're thinking about your part. If that's your soul, you know, if that's your soul skill, you're just thinking about the, your part and you gotta be just like, like I wrote, wrote the first draft. Can I cut dialogue? Can something be explained or visually shown to the reader that I don't need the person just saying this? Right. It almost seems like I'm just trying to talk to my younger self in the past, like this four year journey that I've been in. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of to circle back to everything. That's kind of what crackle is. So crackles, every issue of crackle is about one year to about 16, 18 months worth of of stories that I've written in that chunk of time. And then, yeah. And then when I feel that it's at a succinct point and then I just wrap it up and put it and then have a cover on it. Mm -hmm. But in this third one, I, th I feel like I'm finally getting to a, a great creative point where I have all these collaborators, the people that I've been, been creating stories with for years and we just keep building something special. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> This is, this is incredible. I have I have so many more questions for you. So I think I, Phil, we have to have to have to have you come back um, to talk more because oh, I'm really sure. I'm really curious to know about you know a lot of the themes in your stories are very like everything's real pretty much focused on real world for the most part. I'm really curious to know about there's a, there's this constant circling around like discussions of of death and heartbreak and things like that. Uh, I don't know if you have a a quick answer for like why you or a lot of your stories tend to be about that or is it just something like you feel like you need to get off your chest or or something else? 
I don't know. Yeah, my, most of my stories are the stories within are kind of I would say slice of life yeah. drama and magical realism. Um, it's a lot of people talking, but it's also a lot of action. It's kind of it's it's a weird balance for that. It's I, I really do not know the correct genre term for it. Uh, yeah, I don't but think yeah, I could put a hat on it like that. <laughs> but as far yeah, a lot of the times it has to do with mortality, either the people's fear of mortality, right the release like not the release of it but just like the comfort of of knowing your mortality mm-hmm. but it's also but within that it's it's also um about a reflection on time there's a whole like i said i a lot of the panels and page structures are very unique where we try to play with the, your perception of time as the reader as you try to perceive the of all like montage segments in unique ways so you as the reader are perceiving time in a very unique way mm-hmm. but also that the the characters themselves are perceiving time um i mean i mean full disclosure i, I take a lot of my my um artistic cues from like richard linklater's movies um, um i should say the non-comedy movies of richard linklater because you know he did like bad news bears <laughs> and <laughs> And some of the other ones, his like serious dramas, like the before series is a huge impact on me. And that's a, that's a story of of this of a man and a woman and they meet in their early 20s and serendipitously and they spend like an evening together. And then nine years later, um, the the film is is the second film is filmed nine years later as the characters are nine years older. So the characters and the story are set or, you know, time has progressed for everything. Right, right, right. And then nine years after that is, it was another movie. So like, it's just so far removed and the actors have, you know, obviously physically aged and they've, and they're just different points in their lives. And then, I mean, the most famous one that he's done was boyhood, which was the one that was, it was filmed with, uh, you know, it follows like a young boy. I don't know, let's just say he was like seven years old or something. And then you follow him through 12, 12 years of his actual life. Like they filmed, they filmed little chunks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for every, every once, like for like a day or two every, and then a little bit every year and one year. And it's just, it's just like crazy thinking about that. And it was some, some of the narrative works, but just as a whole, just thinking about that. And you're watching these people grow up in real time ahead of you. But the trick of that, that movie is there's not there's not like hard cuts that say like one year later or you know the main the main character mason is now 10 years old he has enough trust in in the viewer that that they know that okay now we're at a time jump like a time jump mm-hmm. and this is this is something else and then you he trusts that you're intelligent enough to play catch up and that you want to play catch up i mean that's one thing i always try that I always remember is that, you know, people don't want to be talked down to. No one wants to be talked down to, right. whether it be verbally or just or within any like in their art. But people want to jump up. They they want to reach for something greater, and that's why if, like I trust I trust the readers. Like I trust that they they're they're anxious and they're adventurous and they they want. They want to just figure it out themselves. And that's why I try to, as I've kind of alluded to, I cut the dialogue. I cut dialogue that I think that could be done visually because I, because 
I know the reader's smart enough. They they can see they're not just skipping through everything. They're they're actually taking time on the panels and they're attached to the characters. Mm-hmm. And and that's why it makes you that's at least that's the working theory that I'm working on is that the reader is is more invested be, because they're putting in that extra effort. But I'm also me and the 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 artists we we trust that we're giving them a good enough world to, that they want to jump into. And that's the most challenging part. But, you know, once you get there and once you create that world that people want to just spend their time with, you know, that's that's the true beauty of it. And then, you know, you, you, you put these worlds out there, all these short stories and, and all these characters, and like I said, all these universes, and then you just let people enjoy them too but and then people have different interpretations that you don't even think of and it's just so elating it just makes mm-hmm. makes you so happy as a creator that someone is is coming up with these interpretations or these these observations that you had no idea about and that's uh, that's just the beauty of, of creating stories yeah i mean and I, I i personally think as someone who reads a lot of comic books i think you definitely convey that like it, it feels like you're not trying to spoon feed people with this with your stories and i honestly this conversation has been fantastic i honest i had so many other things to get to but i i'm so fascinated <laughs> by everything that you said tonight i guess i i really hope that everybody gets a chance to go check this kickstarter out it, there's a link in the show notes um search for crackle volume three uh you should be able to find it but please go check it out real quick before we wrap here uh is there been any books phil that you've read recently that you've absolutely loved uh i'm trying to think uh, and I'm gonna look like a jerk. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I just I just went to the comic shop today. I picked up my buddy Frankie White's Twenty Fists. I've been wanting to read that for a while. I was trade waiting that. Uh, Source Point Press just came out with the trade. Uh, I just got uh, the final issue of Layla Star by Ram V, and I, I can't remember who his collaborator is. I guess the last one that really shook me. I mean, what would have been Ram V and Anand's um, and Aditya did the letters because Aditya did a fantastic letters for that. Yeah, that I mean, that book's been solid. Yeah. But oh, yeah, off the time I had, I, I talk about this all the time. But my, you know, a lot of us read and consumed a lot of media in, within the last 18 months because mm-hmm. uh, we had the time on our hands. So I was, I was just constantly getting stuff from the library. I ended up getting. Um, a map to the sun by Sloan Leong. And that that's just such a gorgeous book. I just, I, I started reading it like 10 o'clock at night and I just, I couldn't put it down. I just, just kept reading it. It's nice. It's, it's like a slice. It's kind of like a coming of age basketball story in high school, but I just love Sloan's art. You know, if you, if you like that, she did prism stalker. And just recently she had a Kickstarter that, that was for like a, a short horror anthology and I think it gained like $20,000 but like nice. her her as a creator just like I just love her art and everything's so vibrant uh, I think first second um, published that book but it's just like I said it's just all Sloan um, is the pure creator of that and yeah Nice. I can't talk highly enough of that. If you have to just, like I said, go go to the library. I, I got mine from the library and then I went to buy myself a copy. And then, you know, this, this you know, as of speaking of this, you know, I'm going to start buying my holiday. I buy books for everyone for, for the holidays. Right, right. So 
I'm going to probably buy about five copies of that and give it to various cousins. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, I guess to to wrap things up here, uh, Phil, where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you more about uh, your writing process or about Crackle or anything else? Sure. I mean, I love talking about the writing process and creating process. Um, So I'm very active on Twitter because that's, you know, more language verbal. Uh, I'm on Instagram. But the only things I do on Instagram are just hype other people's books, you know, with right. works in progress and pictures. Right. Uh, and that's about it. And, you know, you can always go to my website, uh, philipmyra.com. I always have some previews of stories or stories I'm working on. And then I'm, I've been trying to uh, produce more for my mailing list that so that way you get more of the personalized works in progress. As soon as they get my inbox, I try to put in you guys's inboxes. But yeah, like I said, mostly Twitter if you want, you know, my, I'm on there like 13 hours, 14 hours of the day. So that's probably the best. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I totally active. get that. Uh, well, cool. Well, th- Phil, thank you so much. I, I Good luck with the Kickstarter. Fingers crossed. Hope everything goes well for you guys. Um, and like I said, check the show notes for everything like that. We're going to bounce back to the regular episode. But Phil, thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, Mike. This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about witchy comics. Witches in comics. The best, the worst, the weirdest witches. Witches, witches, witches. Because, you know, it's a seasonal thing. We're in the month of October. Let's get into witches. Um, Kate Scotch, this, this was your idea. So where where do we go with it from here? Where do we go? Like, what do you want to talk about when it comes to witches? So, first of all... The rationale was really just uh, what's an excuse to read a bunch of witch comics because witches are awesome. (laughs) I love the idea of like having this ability, but it's also just not innate. It's not like you're Superman, right? It's like a thing you have to learn and practice and get better at. And like you might not know that you're a witch and then someone knocks on your door in the middle of a storm on an island is like, you're a wizard, Harry. Um, this uh-huh, is uh-huh. the fantasy that I've had since I was small, and I like reading books about it. So the thing, though, <laughs> is when you start thinking about it as comics, it's like there are so many people with powers in comics that I would not consider a witch. So, like, right. what makes a character a witch versus just having powers? And, like, what characteristics are there? Like, does it count as a witch if you're something like Scarlet Witch, where you're not actually doing things with other witches, you're doing things with other superhumans? Or, like... Right. There's also all sorts of different kinds of magic systems. Like Kate was talking about in the first half with the hair. That's insane. Um, But there's also some that are just like real loosey-goosey and others that are very rigid and spelled out and have, you know, you need X, Y, and Z. And then also just like, man, I want to hear what which books I should be reading. Well, just give me more. Give me more. I just need more to go get and read this October. I mean, between you and Kate, I think we've got every single witch comic book ever written. That can't be true. Uh, in our <laughs> that, that can't be true. Um, Kara no. is going to kill us because we don't have Sabrina on the sheet right now. Sure, uh, sure, sure, so, sure. Okay. Well, I mean, th- that's that's really interesting because I think like I, going into this episode, uh, I think I might have already said it. I didn't think that I had many comics in mind that I would be like, yeah, I've read a lot of stories about witches. But like, I, I really didn't think I did. And then I started to just list out the ones that I knew. And I was like, oh, shit, I've actually read quite a few yeah. comics that feature witches. And I, you know, I'm curious, like, because a lot of the times 
when it comes to comics about witches, what I find the most interesting about them is that they aren't stuck in a specific genre. Right. right. Like you can be a witch in the Archie universe. You can be a witch in like a purely fantasy, fantasy, fantastical world. Or you can be like a witch that lives in the regular world. Yeah. The regular world that we live in, you know, and I, I find it really fascinating. Like this, this the way that the the idea of a witch in comics and witches in stories in general are just adaptable to pretty much anything. But like some of the books that I immediately thought of for this topic was like Witch Hat Atelier, I think is the number one book. It's like one of my favorite manga ever. Um, it's the prettiest, most exciting witch comic as far as I'm concerned. But um, I don't know, like Kate Lamphere, what what was the first thing that came to your mind when you thought about this episode? The first thing that came to my mind was actually Toil and Trouble by Marguerite Scott and Kelly Matthews. Okay. Um, and that one, that one's about it's. Oh gosh, it's a retelling of Macbeth from the point of view of the witches, and it is a mix of new dialogue and dialogue from Macbeth, and then all of the witches have like a different nature-based design. Cool. And so this is like an undertaking to read. Like you really need to give it some extra time. It's not. It's not a fast read, but it is gorgeous and well done and something that i will probably reread this season interesting and then yeah when when kate started asking your question about like what makes a witch and what are the interesting magic systems i i really had to think about what a witch is versus any other kind of magic user Um, right right immediately i started thinking about how if you play dungeons and dragons there are all these different like warlock sorcerer wizard and all uh, druid just different ways that a character can get magic like the source of their magic and how they use it and what it's used for and i was like okay well which one of these things is a witch (laughs) Mm -hmm, which mm witch is which yeah but i think that that's (laughs) i don't know i i think that if you look at all of the different things that call themselves or all the different books that have the word witch in them or whose characters call themselves witches i don't think that it is that that black and white you know as as much as dnd tries to to say it that it is just for the the benefit of rules in a game Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm but I do feel like a witch is a character that has magic innately. Like they aren't, it's not like, you know, Captain Marvel who is given magic through an event or um, I think Dr. Strange learns magic through like extreme study. I think that sure. a witch is a person sure. that is born with magic and they can like, they can study and make it more powerful, but they just have it. Yeah, there's some innate ability that other people don't have. With the exception of Witch at Atelier, which is all about witches who learn magic through writing. But I... It's true. (laughs) Yes, yes. But that's like the twist in that system is that it turns out that like it's a lie that people can't do it. Right, right. Um, I will say I did pick this up from the library when we were talking about what we were going to read and stuff. And I don't usually like manga, but I enjoyed this one. That's all I'm looking for. It is beautiful. I <laughs> the story and writing, like I'm not as into it. Like I, I still wish the the art is what I'm here for. The art is gorgeous. For sure. It reminded me of what is it, the girl from the other side, where I wasn't mm. that into the story itself, but I was very into the art. And so it made mm-hmm. it an enjoyable read. Also, yeah. it's one of those things where you're like, oh, that's what everyone was cosplaying. Like there's certain things <laughs> that you see and you're like, oh, I've definitely seen this at Comic Con. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I did like your comment, though, about, like, the, 
Kate Lamphere about, you know, this this inherent thing, because I do think with with the rare exception, you know, there this idea of becoming a witch or being a witch um, is like a it's a it's an inherited thing. It's a it's familial um, or, you know, someone is born, someone just exists and they have magic or they learn that they have magic at like a young age in some capacity, um, which, you know, take that for what it is. Is it a metaphor for puberty? Is it a yeah. you know, whatever? Um, but I do like that. I feel like a lot of modern authors are taking that idea of what it is to be a witch and kind of twisting it a little bit and saying that it's not just a gendered thing, even though, you know, if you get in deep into like, I don't know, some stories like witches and warlocks are kind of at the same level. Yeah. It's like what's considered a wizard versus whatever. But I don't want to necessarily start to split hairs, but I do, I do like that that idea of just a innate magic user um, is someone who could be considered a witch. And But like it's different when it comes to someone like Zatanna who is using magic or Constantine who is using magic. I don't know if I would call them witches in the same capacity that i would say someone from uh like ron in the gray world maybe that's a bad example i don't know if you guys have read that but mooncakes for example um you know where the character is born with this innate ability to use it and she has mentors who teach her how to use the you know the magic that she has so yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a really interesting thing because i i looking at different types of magic in different books there is a few common threads and i think most of that is like it's bloodline based yeah or you know someone gave you this power in some capacity and you could look at even something like witch hat and say like you know uh Kifri gave the main character her her powers by teaching her how to do it um and i feel like there is an inheritance there's that, that yeah kind of and that idea it. of like a coven that it's not usually a solo even if they're now solo practicing there's still an mm-hmm. idea of some level of a society or group of people who have these same powers and are exchanging skills and ideas or sometimes opposed to one another but like um i really loved the comic um the chilling adventures of sabrina and oh, that's yeah. like such a big yeah. part of it is her aunts like teaching her the stuff and then getting exposed to this wider witch world right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um that kind of as, as uh kate was pointing out that like separation of su- to some degree from society in that sense whether it's because they're hidden or looked down on that's often a big part of it um in the story or like they're trying to hide their magic like in black magic um yeah yeah Black oh, Magic man, was mean, the one I was so excited to reread. If you guys haven't checked out the Greg Rucka, Nicholas Scott series, um, I think oof. it's just the one, three volumes, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Oh, my God. The most beautiful, beautiful art. And I love the way Nicholas Scott uses um, color to show magic. Like everything's oh. black and white and grayscale oh, other than the magic. Gosh. And yeah. it just pops. Oh, it's so cool. So cool. Yeah, Black Magic uh, definitely was one of those books where I was like, like, shit magic's really fucking cool isn't it like yeah yeah like i'm it's definitely urban fantasy which usually i'm not that into like i like Uh it but i don't love it the way i love some stuff uh Mm -hmm. but this one got me it was very good yeah i I think that you know like the premise of black magic being what it is of like you know a local cop who Mm -hmm. happens to be a witch um she gets called in when the really weird cases come in and typically they have to do with magic yes and of course the standard urban fantasy exactly (laughs) but like greg ruckard has has a way of writing comics that i think really subverts some expectations but Mm -hmm. also um allows someone like nicholas scott to really shine and say like you know we'll do like three or four pages in a row where there's no dialogue and i'm just gonna let you tell the story like it's it's such a beautiful book 
for that reason. He's so um, good at yeah. writing for a visual medium like that. Like yes, there's definitely absolutely. writers that I really enjoy, but they are writers. They're definitely not writing for the art in the way that I mm-hmm. feel like he usually is. Yeah. I mean, I will say the one thing about a lot of Greg Rucka's books is the dude loves police procedurals i oh, think yeah. like there's there's a lot of book like queen and country mm-hmm. uh this one uh the gotham city pd like <laughs> queen and country is great though right i know i'm not saying that they're bad but i think like he definitely has a genre that he really wants to do mm-hmm. but he does it so well that i can't be mad at him exactly. trying to do the same type of genre over and over i mean that would be like me getting mad at ed brubaker and sean phillips for continuously doing crime books like yeah i'm not mad about that i read every single one of them <laughs> um but yeah like i i think that i mean that's a perfect example of of like a modern take on witches that works really really well feels super unique even if it uses a lot of like tropes that i think we as readers probably are aware of when it comes to witches um kate uh lamphere have you had a chance to read that book by chance i I don't mean to just keep rambling on about it black magic yeah yeah i think i've read it three times now (laughs) oh okay (laughs) nice and i need to read the rest of them i've only read volume one again and again and again gotcha gotcha i mean even just that one volume is solid so i understand that um (laughs) was there another book uh that you wanted that you wanted us to dig through i guess kate i yeah which kate (laughs) lamphere i'm sorry lamphere sorry so one of the things i notice as a commonality whenever i read books that have witch characters is that they stand out from their society in some way that is not just because they have magic you know and Mm -hmm. i think that snapdragon by kate kate Mm catlay is a really good Mm -hmm. example of this and so snapdragon is is the character's name and there's a lot of mm-hmm. subtle representation in this book that is like not addressed, but it is very like frequent in the book. And one of those things is that Snap's pronouns are she, but her gender expression is extremely neutral. Like I would mm-hmm. have assumed that this person would had at least some like a gender, um, I, I I don't know self self expression at least. Um, mm-hmm. And there are also visual hints that her family doesn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of sets her apart from the other people in town. Um, and part of or the the plot of this book is that Snap needs help from the quote unquote scary town witch that everyone else is afraid of. But Snap is not afraid of the scary town witch. And mm-hmm. then she ends up discovering things about herself and her family that I don't want to spoil, but I'm sure that you can tell what they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the magic system in this book is very familial and it's very nature centered and you know the nature centered part is something else that i kind of attach to witchcraft yeah 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 having just read that book very recently um it's yeah perfect example of like a witchy book that just feels right and and really it manages to weave the magic of the characters into the story in a way that doesn't feel like this is a book about magic and we're going to yeah. over explain the magic because I mean I've read books like that and it's yeah. never never been fun um, but that one totally manages to balance so many things in such an intelligent way like I really have to credit Cat uh, Lay for their ability to just deliver such a wholesome solid book that gets a point gets across a lot of really strong points but also has a very interesting fantasy style um that i don't know it's it's very low-key but at the same time it's crucial to the story that's like part of what i where i was like which hat to i liked but i didn't love is like 
there's definitely info dumpy parts about this is the details yeah. of how this magic system works. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that level of detail is okay if you weave it in. Like, I don't feel like it's any more or less detailed than the Witch Boy series. It's just that in Witch Boy, you're learning it as Aster is learning it, right? And so it's like mm-hmm. woven into the story versus just like this page is just an info dump page about here's the ingredients and here's the different things and here's the different inks and like um that's the kind of the stuff where i'm just like um one i read recently that's another middle grade uh is the okay witch by emma stein kellner and I, if you need sweet and heartwarming in which do this one. So again, it's inherited, right? But the context is like you're in New England and um, a girl essentially finds out that um, she's a witch and her mom's a witch, but her mom swore off witchcraft because uh, it turns out mom was one of the like witches persecuted in Salem and like they... escaped to they got an alternate dimension kind of thing that they all went to but mom was bored there and came back so mom's actually hundreds of years old and like it's so weird and like so she's it's essentially becomes a story about being part human part witch where she was raised very human and is part of the human world and it's everything she knows but also has discovered this other side of herself the witchcraft which of course emerges in puberty um because Mm -hmm. she's just totally pubing out and when that happens you accidentally do magic (laughs) um (laughs) scratch that phrase from ever being said ever again (laughs) so it's very like harry potter style where like if you don't learn magic you like do it on accident and you like not controlling it um so it is fun and it is like her coming to understand herself and navigate these um two identities that she has between her and also that push pull between grandma and mom on her of like one wants to her to be all witch and one wants her to be all human and mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. not really either um and because it's middle grade like it's not going to hurt you. It's going to feel good when you're done reading it. And like, does she make friends? And is there a talking cat? Yeah, obviously. Uh, is it real obviously. cute? Yes. So that's kind of stuff I really like. The um, the thing that I was thinking about when we were talking about this, like Scarlet Witch comes to mind because it's witch in the name. But Scarlet Witch to me never feels like a witch. Never feels like a witch. Yeah. What do you guys I mean- think about that? There, there's rare stories where Scarlet Witch is actually doing witchy things, and I feel like, you know, you watch the if you watch the Marvel TV show, you know, the the Wandavision. Yeah, um, no, there, I haven't some, yet. Without being too spoilery, I mean, or spoilery at all, like they touch on some witchy elements of the uh, potential of the character. Okay. Um, but like I, I, I can't think of. I, and again, I haven't read a lot of witch, Scarlet Witch comics, so maybe I don't know. But I can't think of a lot of examples where like Scarlet Witch is going out and working with covens and stuff. That's and, what I mean. It's know, like yeah. she feels like other X Men in the sense of like having powers, and her powers come across just as like ability to cast spells. But it doesn't feel different to me. It doesn't feel like feel like witch to me and i think what part of that is so much is it's just her like she's not doing coven she's not being um perceived differently as a group than the other x-men like it's Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, her powers just feel like X-Men powers. They don't feel witchy to me at all. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're hex powers. Danny <laughs> right, in the chat right. called that out. And, I, and like, what does that even mean? The answer is it doesn't matter because she can change the entire reality. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um. <laughs> I think that her power is like more, not, I don't want to say more because I think that witchcraft as it is represented elsewhere is very powerful, but I feel like Scarlet Witch's powers are very showy. Yeah. And very like all encompassing. Sure. There's no like subtlety there. It doesn't. We just need to kinda... retcon this series. What's your power? It's to yeah. retcon. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it's just it's too big. It's it's not like this kind of like I said the um I said earlier that I feel like witchcraft craft is very natural, and I feel yeah. like this kind of like in your face. Um, I'm just gonna do this crazy shit. <laughs> well, and that's it's part of it much. for well, me too. Is like good magic systems have built-in limitations; otherwise, things mm. stop being interesting. It's like the Superman problem of like you're too powerful; like things uh -oh. just stop making sense because you could just do X, Y, Z. So, Paul's like, ears are burning mm -hmm, somewhere right I know, now. I'm I sorry, <laughs> but I have yeah. So like the the whole like sometimes the magic is limited by supplies because you need certain ingredients or sometimes it's limited by the individual's power and it makes them tired or drained and overdoing it harms you physically. Like there's different sure. ways people ma limit their magic in some way, but it, it, it needs to be to me to be interesting, limited in some way like that, because when it gets like Scarlet Witch, it's just like, it becomes just riddled with plot holes because there's so many times where it's like, well, she could have just done blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Danny in the chat's pointing out about, you know, uh, Wanda has trained with Agatha, who's a, a, an, and a longtime baddie. I mean, like, she, but she, again, there is no there's no limit. There's no whatever. And I'm sure that there's, you know, some comic book folks out there probably would say, like, well, she gets tired if she uses them too much. I mean, sure. Right. Like, I feel like Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, is also at the same level yeah. where Sabrina's whole thing is like, well, I have this unlimited power, but also I shouldn't use it. Like, she's been taught that, like, by so there's you know, like doing moral too much limits. Magic. Yeah, that's sure. another way to limit sure. your magic system. And like, but, which had Atelier does that to an extent of like you there's forbidden spells. Mm hmm. Well, and and like your spell power is based upon like the ink that you use right. and the size of the paper and all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting because you say like, oh, magic without limit is not interesting. It's when I think of one of the books that came up for discussion for today, um, one of the books that came to mind was uh, Ron in the Gray World. And this is a story about a young girl who has these magical shoes that allowed her to turn into a an older version of herself, like 18 or 19 years old. And she's like 10 years old. Right. And it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a goofy book, but the, the magic in the world is like ever flowing. It like everything that Ron runs into when she gets upset, like it just magic blooms, like flowers bloom around her with, you know, buildings bend at will. And her mom is this magic keeper who is keeping the great darkness away at bay and she has to sit on top of this huge door in this metaphysical realm like it's super abstract and crazy and stuff but her mom is overflowing with magic constantly she can make anything happen at will um but she's so whimsical and so just kind of i don't want to say like flaky but she's kind of just like overly confident and overly mm. happy and she's just very i keep saying the word whimsical because it's the only word that i can think of but just free free flowing with like happy thought and like good times and it's she anything that she wants to do can happen and it's it's almost scary to see someone with that level of power in a grounded world of reality mm -hmm. where you're like we can't like if she comes into this place everyone's gonna know that she's a witch and that's not good uh because blah 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 you know like all these yeah. types of things 
I, I, I the only reason I bring it up is because I, I think that there can be interesting stories like that, but it, it takes a certain context, right? Like the idea of, well, Scarlet Witch can stop this bad guy. It's like you have a good guy versus bad guy scenario. And it's like, sure. But in a world of like, I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> And this person with magic is like making dogs grow wings just because she thinks it's fun. You're kind of like, ah, oh, that can't happen. We can't have people find out that we're witches because bad things can happen. You know, right. it, it all depends on the consequences. Yeah, persecution is so so often a part of it for witch stories. So Danny actually right. mentioned in the chat, and I cannot believe this slipped my mind, but witches, like how do you forget the comic witches when you're thinking about witch comics like that oh, it's literally like called witches scott snyder <laughs> yeah, and jock, jock yeah with a y yeah oh yeah. my god i that love that book, book so much that's one of those book comics where i'm like okay do i have it in singles yes do i have it in singles digitally yes do i have the collected trade paperback of course i do uh did i give them all my money and then they betrayed me by making volume two be part of that like image magazine bullshit and oh, right. so I didn't have right. access to it. And so I'm like, well, thanks a lot. But that's an interesting one to talk about because in that one, your char main characters and heroes aren't witches. Witches are the monsters in the, they're like the scary thing out to get you. And I think that is a completely different idea of witches in comics, but I really like those stories too, of like, sure. they're the baddie and the, the, the thing you're fighting. Yeah, I mean, the Witch's, Witch's book is interesting because to me, it's less about magic and it's more about just horrible monsters exactly. that they happen to call witches. It's kind of weird. But they, um, but they do have like the coven aspect to them. They are like, and the idea of like have magic twisted to them and stuff and they get people yeah, to yeah. do horrible things and they are casting, so, like it is, they still feel very much to me like witches, but they're witches in the sense of like witches and werewolves and vampires of all the scary different types of monsters, right? Which is very different than thinking about like a hero with powers. Sure. Kate Lamphere, have you had have you read that book before? I don't know if, if horror is necessarily your bag. I do really enjoy witches, yeah. Okay, okay. I have not finished it yet. <laughs> okay. This is another okay. one where I've read the, the first volume a few times. <laughs> well, but the uh -huh. volume two, I don't know how you even get it without getting that stupid Image Magazine thing. So I think you might be stuck. I think they, they must have reprinted Did it. Did they? Because I haven't seen it that way. Well, someone, someone send me an email. Let me yeah. know if it's out there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I those are pretty much everything. All the books that I was thinking of. Um, Kate Lamphere, Kate Scott, just either of you have any other books you wanted to bring up for today? Um, I think we pretty much hit it for me. There's others that I've read that come to mind, like um, Moonstruck is another series um, by Grace Ellis. And it works, but like I wasn't in love with it. Um, but there's lot, so many out there of these different uh, using the magic as a way to uh, get through the world and as analogies for different types of identity and uh, issues that come with that, that I enjoy. And I like, I feel like that's a more recent thing that I've seen a lot more books doing using witchcraft that way. Um, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't for me in terms of just like an enjoyable thing. Sure. How about you guys? I have a long list of books that I put in our notes, but <laughs> I won't go through all of them. Um, I have recently been reading a manga called Witch's Printing Office. This is by Mochinchi and Yasuhiro Miyama. And this is a really interesting and unique manga. I mean, I feel like I could say that about every manga, but it starts with a girl being transported to a magic world where there aren't really very many books. And she starts a printing business and organizes what is basically like a book festival. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> and everybody, I, mean, I, I can't say everybody, but my, a lot of the characters can only do like one spell. Um, so she's kind of limited to the one spell that she can do. And then her, all of her employees are like good at like one thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you guys read a lot of manga and I don't. And I'm wondering if you notice a difference in the concept of witches or how it's done or like the the witch tropes in manga versus the witch tropes in Western comics. I mean, absolutely. Like, I think that there is something more whimsical and just lighthearted about witches in like manga mm-hmm. versus I think, you know, even even in lighthearted comics in the United States, there's very much or in the West there's very much like this. I don't want. There's nothing nefarious necessarily, but it's like a, a naturalistic connection to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think witches in in manga, at least are the ones that I've read. You know, like I've read Flying Witch and Ron in the Gray World and Witch Hat Atelier. There's a there is a an, an attachment to nature, but it's almost like a, a sanctity of nature that is related to like a historical, just kind of hidden behind the scenes not in a nefarious way but because you know we can't expose magic to everybody kind of way whereas i think in the united states or in the west you see there's like uh, we have a lot more persecution yep (laughs) not that that wasn't maybe a thing in japan but there's a lot more persecution things and there's a lot of like we have to hide this for our own safety Mm -hmm. we have to hide ourselves you know the magic that we do because when you know people get a hold of this power it can be really really bad i don't know that that's my take kate uh, lamphere have you have you noticed anything like that I agree. Yeah, there is always some kind of negative effect of of the magic or some reason that they're trying to hide it, some reason that somebody's not going to accept it in American comics versus in manga. Yeah, you're right. It is a lot more whimsical. And if there is some like negative effect, it, effect it's like when they're too powerful, you know, instead of being hated. Right, right. It's... And again, maybe maybe Kate and I have only just been reading like shoujo and in, in shonen manga, so like maybe we don't know. Um, I'd be curious to know if anybody out there has any like adult oriented uh, manga out there about witches in some capacity. And I'm sure there's there's some out there, but from what I've read, it seems like there is a kind of more general acceptance of magic, and people are like, "Oh wow, we're meeting a magic user," yeah. versus like the "Oh no, there's a magic user, and we should probably stop them because they could hurt us," you yeah. know. Um, we, there's just a weird negative connotation, I think, that comes with Western comics around around magic users and witches in particular. Well, it's all about uh, women's power, and women's power is scary. Remember, so yeah, that that is true. Um, you two scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, <yeah>. um, <laughs> sorry, that was a stupid joke. Well, yeah, I, I the only other book that I could think of for this was Mega Hex, and I won't recommend anyone read it, but the main character is a witch. Her name is Meg, and um, she, while she is a witch, I don't think she performs any magic. She just smokes a lot of weed. Okay. The end. That's all that there is. Um, to me, there's, there might be some bigger thing that, that Simon Hanselman, who creates this book, may be saying, not about just witches, but about all the characters in the show, that no one is actually a werewolf or no one's actually an owl. No one's actually a witch. They're just the perception of the like strangeness that they are. Like one character who's an owl, whose name is owl uh, might just be his, like him being seen as an owl might be just his perception of or him being perceived as an owl because he's like ridden with anxiety and he's, he's skittish and, so on and so forth or because like there's a guy named werewolf jones who is a werewolf except for when he's not on drugs it's (laughs) it's really bizarre so like 
I don't know. But regardless, Mega Hex is another book that I thought of. So the um, idea is drugs make you a monster? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Okay. We'll see. Uh, except for the whole story is about them doing drugs all the time. So Do witches, <laughs> do witches usually have familiars in manga or is that more of a Western thing? Oh, yeah. I think like every every witch book that I've read um, from a manga features a cat. I love <laughs> it. Fascinating. But yeah, well, I guess um, I think thanks you guys for for bringing up all the comics. I'm sure that there's a ton of stuff that we missed um, because, I, like I said, the more I think about it, the more there are yeah. tons and tons of comics that feature witches or are about witches and magic and stuff. I tried to read a couple from the Shonen Jump app. I wasn't a fan of most of them. They seemed a little bit more too a little bit too weird and gag manga oriented and i kind of just don't run with that most of the time um so i'm sure that there's manga and stuff out there and i'd love to get some recommendations like i said from folks about like adult oriented manga that are about witches or magic users so yeah i guess uh thanks you guys for for anything else any any last thoughts um any any number one or excuse me witch comics that you recommend to people I think if you are like, I got to go read some witch comics right now, going on your Hoopla app and pulling the Black Magic volumes, uh, like it's a completed series. It's long, but not too long. Uh, it's just so much fun and it is so seasonally appropriate. Wait for your like grain, gray, rainy, windy autumn day and just mm-hmm. uh, light that candle. Uh, you're ready to go. For sure. Kate, what about you? Um, I-, I think I'll just leave it at there because I could keep going for a while. <laughs> Oh, okay. 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 So double recommendations for black magic. Um, I'm still going to recommend Witch Head Atelier, but if you want something that's a little bit more just kind of off the cuff and less precise about magic, I highly recommend Ron in the Gray World. It's it's a wonderfully beautiful book, despite some of the skeeviness that the book has in the opening. It's it's very, very good. Um, so yeah, highly recommend that. But anyway, so let's let that'll wrap up the show for us. Thank you everybody for listening. Next week, our show is a continuation of an I Read Comic Books movie club episode from Patreon. It's okay if you haven't seen it or haven't listened to it, but um, we highly recommend you watch Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 because we're going to be focusing in on Sam Raimi's movie uh, movies, particularly the first two, uh, with Brian and Paul and myself as we talk about the evolution of superhero movies after Spider-Man. It's going to be very, very exciting because I forget how much I love those movies. And when I rewatched the first one for our movie club, I was brought right back to being a seventh grader and being desperately in love with Kirsten Dunst and wanting to be Spider-Man and all this stuff. So really, really excited to talk about that for next week. But um, after that, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kate at KLFear. You can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. Join now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show, uh, five stars, if you will, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB. You can also join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record. And it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show as well. Infinity Shred continues to be the best band in the universe. We can't thank them enough for all their music over the years. Xander is a cool guy who makes us sound good great every week i mean i was gonna say good but he makes it sound great um i want to say thanks to hannah and hugh and danny and nick for hanging out with us in the discord we really really appreciate it and thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show and shares it and tells your friends about it you know we just we love you folks so until next time comics are good and so are you 